0: Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and friends. Make believe, it's not pretend, we might be here are on demand, it never stops. Are you ready for Fogelnest Fever? I sure hope so, because on this episode, I chat with the comedian, writer, director, raconteur, and many, many other things, including fellow podcaster, Jake Fogelnest. You can find his podcast, The Fogelnest Files, on any regular podcast app. But for the full Fogel Nest, go to patreon.com slash Now there's a link in the episode bio, so don't worry about the spelling, although I know you already have his name tattooed on your forearm or inner thigh, wherever it is, there's no judgment. And he is also a uh, voracious collector of similar things to myself and has a passion that I share for not just the film Times Square, but for everything that came out of the Robert Stigwood organization. To know more about that, let's get into the episode with jake fogelmest hello hello thank you for having me it's my pleasure uh
1: i am i'm i'm glad uh, we were able to get the technology to work
0: same here after the schedule issues that we had but of course we're both new dads so yeah that that sort of has something to do with it uh and how old is is it delilah is that right tallulah uh
1: delilah is um uh, that's a that's a whole other story i believe that's a song um yes, that i I, I, that yeah. I have nothing to do with but i i i understand some uh, uh m- millennials enjoy it um uh our, our daughter's name is Tallulah. forgive and me and she's uh she's 3 months old and she's uh thriving
0: fantastic yeah our guy peter is 6 months old uh thriving and also making a, a lot more noises than he used to so that's uh, something interesting to get used to is Tallulah named after the Bugsy Malone song by any chance
1: no it's a, a very strange uh thing um we we didn't really have a name in mind and um uh, you know uh, the baby came out and we're at the hospital and 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 literally she picked her own name she we were just like Tallulah I turned to my wife she's like oh yeah Tallulah and and that I don't know where it came from, but it, there's kind of no story to it. Just She literally picked her own name.
0: Uh, you know, that's great. She's a self-starter. And she is, yeah. that's what we like <laughs> yeah, in this business. Sure. Uh, she's so she got to be these days.
1: De- she's the most determined person I've met in my life ever.
0: Yeah, that's a wild um, thing that I've noticed with Peter as well. Uh, he, you know, just the little things like I'm going to get that thing hanging off of the thing. And he's going to get it for sure. And it takes him a while, but he's gonna get it. He's into this stage now where he's holding his feet. He loves to hold his feet. It's like a, uh, do do you know? So cute. It's super cute. And also, the the wild thing is how it makes you think about. Oh yeah, like I was, I did that probably back then, back in the salad days.
1: It's very interesting. It's uh, you know, I have this uh, baby, and and she has no interest in being a baby. It it, it is the funniest (laughs) thing. She and when I and it's just like oh I'm seeing all of my own uh, character uh, defects in, uh in my uh, child's beautiful eyes, but I was I was probably the same way I was just like I couldn't wait to like you know be a grown up like you know at seven I wanted to be forty now I've uh, I've achieved that and so I'm working on new goals, but at, at like seven I didn't want to do kids stuff I didn't watch kids movies it was just. Um, and and i just see it in her she's just like no i don't want to do a baby voice you know um she wants to have fun she likes to have fun but she's very serious very serious girl
0: i like that well uh, i see my furrowed brow on my son and it's very funny (laughs) when ada said Oh, oh he has your face i said here look at this and i went she was like oh my god it's exactly what he does i said well hopefully he doesn't have the rumination problems that i've had in my life but uh when you, to your point about wanting to be an adult when younger, I did as well and still do. But I always wanted to do that stuff. I wanted to watch movies that were not in my age range. And my parents, always had a policy that I greatly appreciate if I could understand that I was allowed to watch it. Were your parents similar?
1: Isn't that great? That and I think that's how it should be. Then that's what I am I'm, I'm very grateful to my parents because they they gave me um, access you know they could have said oh this is you know watch this when you're older or something they were like if you can understand it i had the same thing if you can understand it it's okay you know and yeah. and i don't think i abuse that uh power uh, like in a it's like i didn't you know go okay really i'm gonna go rent. i spit on your grave you know i saw it at the video store and and from the box cover i was like i got the gist i eventually checked it out later on but i i i didn't um you know it 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 didn't it could you you could it could go a certain way you could get the the wrong programming
0: (laughs) yeah you could especially if you did rent i spit on your grave which i did see Let's say, well, not too young because there's no age that's the right age for that film. There's
1: it's, no, yeah, there's no appropriate age for it. It's just, it, you know, of that genre of movie, it's bad. It's, yes. it's like, it, you know, it's the only thing that it has going for it is the uh, box cover, I think.
0: Great box um, cover. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and like, that, uh, that genre, which uh, Tarantino calls revenge matic
1: yeah revenge-o-matic i um i finally because having having the kid uh uh i had quentin's book but i hadn't had a chance to read it and i just kind of finished it last week and um i was very um like i knew it was going to be uh cool this is good you know i'm a fan of, of of quentin tarantino i knew it was gonna be cool but i really i was like oh wow quentin tarantino as film journalists coming in as every as everybody uh with an expectation that you've, you've read easy riders
0: ranging bulls you understand right. this is like
1: coming in at a certain um
0: literacy or or uh yeah yeah film
1: literacy that I, I just appreciated but also not being alienating at all like um you know really bringing you in and um i i just i was just like oh i you know this plan i know his new movie that's he's written a screenplay for is a is uh about a film critic it's maybe a, a pauline kale type thing and after reading cinema speculation i'm I'm sort of like okay this 10 films and i'm out i want to you know uh, retire i, I want to write plays to write books i was like yeah quentin do it
0: do it when he, when he first yeah. made that announcement i was like books no come on your movies are so great and then I loved the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That which, was
1: super fun. Yeah. And then Cinema the Speculation, I was like, oh man, I would love like I hadn't read good not to say that there's not a good film criticism out there, because there is Amy Nicholson is awesome and, and stuff, but I hadn't read anything um like that that period of time has been covered to death, you know. Yeah. Uh, and but but it was a fresh takeout. I was like, wow, Quinn's going really hard on Paul Schrader. And and he cops to that in the book. And then yeah. he, and he's not like, like talking behind Paul Schrader's back. He's like, hey, I'm gonna let you know. He even says in the book, like, I'm letting you know I'm I'm going really hard on you in this book. And Paul Schrader's like, I deserve it for for you know certain things. i I I just, I, and it might be old news to people because the book's been out for a while, but it's new news to me because I, I, I just finished it like maybe last week.
0: Well, that's Um, parent time. It's like you're way ahead of the curve because you you just finished a book. Uh, I, I haven't finished the couple chapters of the movies that I really want to see because I hate spoilers. So I can't remember which movies and I do have the tome right over there, but uh, I loved it also because I related so much to the opening chapter, which I think is one of the most uh, touching pieces that it's I've written in a long like time.
1: It's also like, you know, Quentin Tarantino is a guy, and maybe I just don't know, but it seems like he's been pretty mum about his personal life, and it was a, a, a glimpse into Quentin Tarantino's childhood that I, I didn't know about, um, and I, I, I was very moved by that chapter. Yeah. Um, I related, too. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's really cool. Now I'm, um, me and my wife are reading out loud, uh, Brett Easton Ellis' last book, The Shards. This Uh, is you
0: reading through the baby.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The baby's uh, sometimes (laughs) she awake. Sometimes she's asleep. Um, but both of us want to read it. So it was just like, here, let's just read this out loud. And it's good for the, for the baby. And, um, I'm only, we're only five chapters into it, but so far I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I like the conceit that it's Brett Easton Ellis is himself.
0: Oh, um, I didn't know that's what he, it was. Okay.
1: it's He's writing it as if this is a real thing that happened to him in you know uh high school in 1981 or whatever and it's just a brett easton ellis book uh but it's from his like first person um i'm enjoying it so far again i'm only five chapters in because i am on parent time
0: right you're on parent time and uh brett easton ellis stuff you can kind of get a gauge whether or not you're going to like the rest of the book by the opening yes. for yes yeah
1: exactly and this one i'm like oh i'm in i'm in i am in i i I, I I saw that he's adapting it uh for Amazon or something, and I just five chapters in. I'm like, oh, this is very adaptable. And um, I went and checked like, did somebody make a Spotify playlist of all the songs that are um referenced in the in the book and they did, and that's where for spoilers i I started going through the uh, playlist until I was like, nope, that song hasn't been mentioned yet in the book.
0: oh, yeah, and I it's, don't want to uh, do that thing where you sort of predictively imagine what's going to be that's why i don't like trailers because i see them and i go okay i think i know what's going to go on here because you know you and i both have probably seen thousands if not tens of thousands of trailers in our what lives what happened
1: to trailers man because it, it they used to be really fun and and i'm you know i am I'm, I'm even for let's bring back the uh the voiceover guy but you know if a trailer doesn't you know sum up the entire movie um, then it is a trailer where they're going to take, I don't know, some pop song, slow <laughs> it down and pitch it in a weird way. And, you know, it's just slap an A24 logo on it. And, uh, <laughs> like, it, it, there's an art to cutting trailers that I think yeah. has been lost. And, um, um, it, it, you know, is it indicative of a bigger problem of the... Types of movies that are are being made and released for adults, of which they and and that's the thing. There are plenty of movies out there. there you, you just have to dig for them, and they're not playing in the theaters. You know, mm-hmm. they're you know premiering on movie. They're um, uh, you know hiding on streaming services and stuff. But you can find them. You know, my wife and I do this thing, uh, and it pre-exists uh, to Lula, and we've kept it going where we do a, a pretentious movie Tuesday. And the rule is, um, it has to be something she's never seen, I've never seen, that could be classified as pretentious. It has to look pretentious. Maybe it's a foreign film. Maybe it's a Kevin Smith movie. You know, it's it, yeah. it, it, it's a wide, uh, so we've seen a lot of great movies that way and we've seen a lot of garbage. We'll um, pick but,
0: one of, of each category to enlighten the listeners. Gosh,
1: we've been doing it for so many years now that um it, it's hard so we watched um there was a there's a movie called uh pvt chat private chat and oh, okay. it's a it's a julia fox movie low budget um indie uh new york city you know about cam girls and you're you, i know what you're thinking you're like i've seen this you know i've seen 80 different variations of this i've seen the lifetime movie version of this and there was something about this movie that there was a little extra something going on. And, and I think maybe maybe our expectations were very low that it was like, hey, that's kind of good and it shouldn't get overlooked. And I think it yeah. was Dark Star Picks put it out. And I was just like, you know what, I don't wanna, I'll buy that on Blu-ray because I don't know if I'm going to want to read. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? No, it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it was, it was of that genre, it was a little bit better. Um, sure than I was expecting and then um a bad one or like Nico 1988 was a was a pmt which was uh um uh, I mean that was a hard watch it's is it the one that's watch. a
0: documentary and it has footage of her last tour it's
1: there I don't know if it's it's a narrative film about yeah her last okay. tour
0: yeah and, right gotcha
1: and it was it's rough. It was better than I thought it was going to be the, um, the worst PMT was it's a tie. I think between Tom of Finland um, that movie, <laughs> yeah. which is like, wow, what a great subject. What a bad movie, but also Mapplethorpe. Um, and wow. I don't like to trash other people's projects and stuff. And, you know, cause I don't know who uh, is likes me and stuff. And I'm sorry if you, if, if you made these movies and you know it, it, maybe the next one will get me um but yeah that it was just like it, di- they, it didn't it didn't work it, it, it didn't work for us that night however many years ago when we watched it maybe sure we it
0: deep. could have been the moon it could have been uh the tacos who knows it exactly. didn't work for you that. Yeah. yeah but it didn't I, work that night i especially don't like bad movies that are made about real life people i'm a little oh, yeah, it's the worst. yeah i'm a little uh wary <laughs> yeah. of spinning gold the casablanca records movie
1: well the kids the bogart kids have been trying to get that made forever with justin timberlake i think attached to play neil bogart and you know i think there's absolutely a a, a story to tell about Neil Bogart oh, yeah. and Casablanca Records, it's just how do you be the biggest record label in the world for a couple of years um, with yeah. acts as varied as Kiss and Parliament Funkadelic, and then entirely owning disco with Donna Summer and you know the Star Wars disco, and just burn through the money and go back. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it's just fueled by cocaine. Um, and the excesses of music. There's got to be a a story there. I read the book that the guy wrote about Cassidy. Oh, yeah,
0: Larry something. That's a really good book. Yeah.
1: Great book. There's a story to be told there, and I think Neil Bogart is a really interesting music industry figure. Um, But, yeah, it's just... um, It's going to either be good or bad, and hopefully it's good. That's one I hope is good, but it's been in development for... Since I moved to los angeles i've been here when did you move that.
0: to los angeles like 2012 so you were a new yorker before that am i right
1: yeah i was a new yorker
0: and um, back to when you were seven and wanted to be an adult when you were 14 is that right you did the public access show that then got picked up by mtv
1: yeah so yeah i was 14 started doing the show on uh public access which is uh you know, it's, it, what I always say about it is, um, any lunatic that could fill out two pieces of paperwork can get a TV show if you happen to dress on the island of Manhattan. Uh-huh. Um, and I I just did this thing. and And it sort of became an instant cult success in Manhattan. And then it was sort of like, well, okay, do you wanna take the show to MTV or do you wanna take the show to Comedy Central? and comedy central was is a pre-south park comedy central um and we took the show to mtv and and yeah it was a, an incredibly strange two years of my life <laughs> From 14 to no three 14 i turned 15 years old like three months into doing it wow so, um, and then it was done right around my 17th birthday
0: what and would you then, say would be the strangest part of That whole process, uh, particularly going to MTV.
1: The strangest part of the whole process is the, you know, looking back now, was the amount of creative control that was afforded to me as a child. Um, (laughs) And I, I, I can only... You know, chalk it up to the fact that I did have like a complete vision. I did insist that the show still be filmed in my home, um, mm. uh, uh, because it was the joke in Wayne's world, uh, right? Like, we rebuild we, we my uh, apartment on a set. Now, 44 year old me uh, knows that would be a much more practical thing to do. Don't let people film in your house, it's a huge pain in the ass, uh, but. And nobody believed in anyway, but we really did film in the bedroom, and they let me do the show that I wanted to do. Um, the you know, um, that uh, amount of creative control, and again, it was MTV. Everybody was making a dollar, um, <laughs> and that I was able to retain ownership of it, and it, it, that it, that's crazy. You know, that there weren't crazy. a lot of fights with MTV about yeah. you got to ch- do this. because because I think they realized like, oh, you're arguing with a teenager. <laughs>
0: Right, and whatever the hell this kid is. Who's powerful. Who's somehow powerful. There's a powerful under-18 character, and uh, he's nuts enough to have done this thing that has gotten our attention. Uh, It reminds me of when Frank Zappa talked about how the record industry was a lot better when there was a bunch of old guys with cigars who just went, I don't know. They uh, they seem to know something. Maybe it's Uh, a hit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Maybe it's a hit. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Here's $200. Put it on the radio.
0: Yeah, make the Um, record. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, and... And it was an interesting time at MTV. Uh, you know I, mtv's unrecognizable now um mm-hmm. uh but uh, well you know, it was and very... describe
0: for those not familiar with mtv you know pre the the last 15 years and specifically the era that squirt tv went on mtv because i watched it, you know through the 80s through all the different iterations and you but like for instance you would have luscious jackson on what was the other kind of programming going on at the time
1: yeah so the other so it was post the real world like mtv started out uh a quick history lesson about mtv i guess but you know warner amex satellite entertainment realized hey if we just show these music videos which are being made anyway promotional clips uh we might be able to sell some ads yeah. in between the music videos and we'll program it like uh fm radio like a rock station and then you know there's uh, uh, the real world um comes on the air and they see an immediate spike in programming like like oh showing music videos over and over again doesn't get as much ratings as like a show so they Mm -hmm. you know so it's not too far after that so they're still showing music videos there's things like 120 minutes there's things like headbangers ball yo mtb raps is coming to an end. Um, It is pre-Total Request Live. Um, It's a very strange time where like, the hippest thing on MTV was like the Beastie Boys and Weezer. And I happened to fall into the center of that. Yeah. at a particular time and it, it's it's really only like a period of like two years uh um, right. the state were kind of on their way out oh, right yeah and i was yeah. on i mean they they did the pilot episode of 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 my mtv show and i went to their last taping they were on the public access show too they're you know it, and they were you know they're exactly like 10 years older than me so they were in their early 20s i was 16 17 very very odd time where like Beck's Odele was the big thing to put yeah. on MTV post grunge because Kurt Cobain had, had left us and, um, free Britney Spears, free Backstreet Boys, free Carson Daly. Um, I, I think MTV was in a real identity crisis at that point. Not like they are now. Um, yeah. But,
0: now they're uh, just another yeah. channel for Viacom to funnel things onto. Like They just, route...
1: I mean, they have Drag Race and Jersey Shore and Drag Race just as of this year, they moved it from VH1. It's, it, you know, it's, um, I don't know what to do with MTV personally. Yeah. Like, if you were to say to me, like, hey, Jake, run MTV, I'd be like, I don't think I want that job.
0: <laughs> That'd be a, because I be a difficult don't job. Know
1: what to put on it. I know that it's that shows have to be made at a certain budget level for it to be profitable. Yeah, I know it's sort of a marquee thing, and then they have you know. But it's, um, I mean, I didn't want to. I sort of had a hard fast rule after sort of like 2004. Like, I'm gonna try and not work for Viacom if I can. But when they come (laughs) to you and they're like, "No, you're going to be a showrunner and an executive producer for this comedy show that we're giving you like you know a million bucks an episode for," which is high for Comedy Central. Um, I'll be like I'll break my Viacom rule, and I did. That's that's fair. Uh, yeah, that you know, and uh, but but yeah, it's a you know, it was a really uh, fun time. And at the same time that I'm doing this stuff, it's like you've got you know, like I guess like the Jimmy the Cab Driver stuff that was uh, going on. Is so it also John when Dennis well, Leary
0: had those uh, ads? It's a little
1: after. It's after Leary. Okay. It's like after Leary's interstitials um, and but like Clay Tarver was was doing that stuff and you know and then a little bit later I think like Sharpling and Worcester um, Tom Sharpling and John Worcester start writing promos mm-hmm. for them very you know odd time at MTV. Um, where they thought, yeah, this is a good bet. Let's let this sixteen-year-old um, host a show out of his bedroom and you know talk to Adam Sandler. Uh, <laughs>
0: and after after Squirt TV ended, um, and also how did it end? Did they just say, look, it's not, or we're changing the look of the, the thing, or the ratings, or something? Because I know the no, state. No, they, um, got, I, yeah. I
1: didn't. I um uh, I, I I fell into uh, youthful indiscretions and they were ready to go and i was in west palm beach florida uh taking care of uh a uh, 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 problem
0: <laughs> the Which skateboarding happened. the skateboarding got too out of control yeah you, my
1: skateboarding got out of control um uh, tendonitis no, it's a, a warning kids tendonitis
0: State. can happen so you could do the half pipe do all that stuff but just be careful
1: well, like the movie Kids, like you know, you know that it, that is part documentary. And um, I couldn't skateboard, um, but I could do the substances. So oh, sure. Um, so I took that. Uh, uh, so so then I, you know, by the time I'm like seventeen, I, I'm like, oh no, I've ruined my entire career. Um, this is you know, it's lightning in a bottle. And then you know, the Upright Citizens Brigade moved from Chicago to New York. And, I, uh, and you know, the way I, I always say is, like, they came to town and they were like, hi, we're the UCB. We're going to get our own TV show. We're going to start teaching
0: classes. This is when uh, they were doing the door-to-door thing, right? They would knock on the door, yes, tell people before,
1: that. Yeah, then we're going to open up our own theater and school. And New York City just went, yeah, okay, that sounds great. Because already, you know, there was this sort of, like, burgeoning... Alt comedy scene happening at what would eventually become Luna Lounge started at a rebar, um, but that's where it was. Just like you know, Marin, Todd Berry, Sarah Silverman, uh, guys people have forgotten about like Ross Broccoli, uh, Carrie Prusa, uh, and like Showalter and Michael Ian Black and all you know Luna Lounge and I was I was there every week. So was Tom Sharpling, and and we didn't know each other yet. You know, it oh, okay. Was, but everyone yeah. was congregating um at this sort of Monday night comedy show. And then the UCB came and blew that. That show was still going on, but they, you know, they said more of this and yeah Rob and Del Close and all of the stuff. And I got real lucky because that became sort of like college
0: for me. Did you find a, a kind of um what you said as you said, oh no, I've blown it. I've screwed up my one chance. How was the journey, not to use a word that we kind of don't want to use, but what was the path like from that feeling to like, oh okay, wait, I there's another option here. I, there's other things in in the future that I could do, which I imagine was kind of difficult for a 17 18 year old.
1: Yeah, it, it it was like Score TV was like me and like my buddy Frankie um who passed away last year, which is still uh, uh baffling to me i'm but sorry what happened with uco oh, it, it's uh, i i'm sorry it was it, it's terror it's just terrible um 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 he has a he, he completed a film he co-directed a film called not for nothing um that they shot in philadelphia an independent film which is doing the festivals right now so i haven't seen it yet i'm dying to see it but i talked to him just a couple months uh before he passed and it's just one of those horrible things but going back to what it was like at uh, 17 18 years old um what i found with ucb and why i'm sort of forever great and this is then it was it, this is not reflective of what ucb is now i don't know what it is now and uh
0: uh it, they're it, a catering company actually they're-
1: yeah i i i joke i think it's i think they broke off from nexium but what <laughs> happened with me is i found a bunch of people who are my age and close to my age, that, oh my gosh, they want to do this kind of stuff too. I found friends, a peer group, people that wanted to stay up till two o'clock in the morning and like figure out, uh, you know, how to do a sketch show. I was, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of improv at, at UCB. I was certainly sort of one of the forces there that said, the improv is great. I respect it as an art form. I totally get it, it's an art form. But what if we took some of the improv and we recorded it and then maybe we wrote it down and then tried to make it better. And, and I directed a lot of shows at UCB and, and, and that was sort of my driving force was like, let's do, I want to do that. And it was incredible to find that there was anybody my age that was on the same wavelength. And I, that's where I say I got lucky twice once with uh, uh, having a a TV show on MTV when you're 17. And the second time I got lucky is being at the UCB on the ground floor when it was truly just like 100 people who are all now, who all now do this for a living. Right. Some of them are enormously successful, but we're all working. Um, nobody really has a, had to get a day job of this sort of like hundred that I'm thinking of. And the cool thing about it is that we're all still friendly with each other. There's mm. no bitterness. There's no, I don't like that person. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice. It's really nice. Like I was just, I just texted a, a guy earlier today who was in my first improv class. And I was just like, you going to sparks and they might be giants. And he's like, I want, you know, I want to go. And I said, yeah, you're going, you'll go with me. I'll take you to Sparks and they might be giants. That's Um, lovely. And, and and, you know, that's, and he lives down the street too. And we were in a class together in 1998, 1999 on 22nd street, um, learning improv for the first time. And I have to thank Adam McKay, you know, who, um, you know, at that time was just a, a writer on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, hanging out with him, who I met through UCB. Um, and he said, you know, you're funny. Who, who Who's your improv teacher? And I said, I don't have an improv teacher. And he says, that's ridiculous, man, you got to go sign up for a class with like Armando Diaz tomorrow. And and I dropped off a check the next day to John Ross Bowie. Uh, who was working in the office and um, and started that you know started that journey because it was weird because I was like I'd had this thing and stuff but I didn't know anything about this mm-hmm. you know uh, UCB at that time were like listen we can't teach you how to be funny right if you're a funny person if you have some talent if you're a funny person we can help you there if you're we can we can give you some tools sure but we can't teach you how to be funny they're very upfront about that and um and boy god, they sure gave me some tools
0: so when you said uh that you started writing the stuff down or developing and honing some of the improvs uh which that's like a thing that a lot of people do especially like uh i guess like adam mckay's films right like they, if they have an improv thing or even cassavetes would do that The little improv yeah, things and then exactly. yeah
1: it, 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 exactly like if, if anybody's and it's not adam's like adam is the greatest and um and and we talk pretty frequently actually and and he, he's terrific but if anybody's wondering why comedies um are now two hours and 20 minutes long <laughs> it isn't adam mckay's fault right and judd apatow gets a lot of flack for this Mm -hmm. but what Adam was able to do with Anchorman is Adam's one of the best improvisers in the world and Will Ferrell not so bad himself so when they shot Anchorman their first feature they shot so much that they were able to cut together an an entire different movie (laughs) Um, and I think there's a DVD of it like they had to cut out so much and Adam was like let's you know would run the camera and, and say this like just toss out stuff and that style of sort of filmmaking and comedy um is sort of become how they make these comedies now. Um, and I don't think everyone should do it. Mm. It's an art that some people are excellent at and they're they're trained in it and you know, um and especially with the um advent of nobody's shooting on film anymore so you could you know let it, let it what's it what's it cost you as long as you're making your days but i think there's a certain point where improv starts to hurt you know and, yeah. and it is sort of like you know not everybody's fucking cast of bettys or McKay,
0: <laughs> right you know? yeah and also um, that the, the, there has to be a strict self-editing process with yeah it.
1: and have a story and have a story and like you know um you know we still need a beginning and a middle and an end, you know what I mean? And, and I see movies sometimes where I'm like, okay, movies ended three times. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I'm starting to see uh, a pendulum switch back to the John Waters school of thought, which is no comedy should be over 90 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a, Hard fast rule that I believe
0: in. It's like right. were the Ramones, right? They had kind of a rule, or Johnny had a rule that nothing should be over three minutes. I think two minutes forty-five seconds or something. Actually, I might be also conflating that with Guy Stevens.
1: Iggy it, Pop also, like, I think, had a word count in his song, oh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's you know, but, but yeah, it's it's or or the KLF, you know, and they're. <laughs> Uh, you know rules for making uh you know you know there are these rules and they work um and yes rules are meant to be broken um my question is though sometimes by but should you should you yeah you the person like yeah are you the person to break the rules rules? are you the person to break these rules because you know um no but yeah in terms of the transition at, at 18 years old like boy did i get lucky um to land um have such a soft landing into this world of um UCB and Saturday night live and you know it it, it really um you know that is i i think cuz while Square tv was amazing and and i'm very proud of it and um and, and, no, and nobody else could have done it but me um at the at the same time it could have been a fluke if I didn't you know um
0: take that lucky ground. break and then actually make yeah. it something else like
1: that the lucky break was was MTV and you know the fact that like I you know I love they might be Giants or I love the Beastie boys and and or Sonic youth and they would call me. And say we like your show, and we live down the street. Do you want to hang out? That's crazy, <laughs> and you know that's been my life. Just even before Square TV, it's just like I wrote John Waters a letter when I was seven, and he called me. You know, wow. and and I I had the occasion to run into him as a grown up, and he always remembers. Like it's just who I am, how I've always been. I don't know. I'm I'm real comfortable talking to people um they and and the way i approach people they 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 seem to want to respond it's a very nice thing i think it's um, something
0: to do to do with um it's purely about your interest in the work really you know and you like the characters and you like the fall like you and i both share an obsession with rso records yeah uh, which is, you know
1: which is a strange one
0: yeah it, Yes. That's how I I think I actually, the first thing I was like, I got to get in touch with Jake because you were posting, I don't know, uh, eight tracks of Times Square and various things. Like I knew of your work, but then on Instagram, I was like, we have a lot of things in common. This is a, we got to get in touch. So, um, well, of course, right behind me, the Sergeant Pepper uh, authorized something or other book I had to have uh, on display. I think I got
1: over here. That's what I thought. Yeah. There's a Sergeant Pepper like roadshow program and then there's greece greece 2 novelizations and then my favorite the novelization to sergeant pepper's only heart's called band uh, the movie i didn't um, know
0: that there was a oh novelization. It's, the fu- it's
1: the funniest thing because like you know the end of the movie sergeant pepper's only heart's Club band it's got everybody from you know uh minnie ripperton to the paley brothers to, uh, the leif great, garrett
0: and uh dame edna yeah
1: right so the last like six pages of the novelization of the sergeant pepper uh movie book um like clearly there's a word count that this author was on and it's like and everyone was there and it just lists everybody it's like little richard uh leif garrett it literally is just like i could I'll, i'll get it perfect because it's so funny it's just, um, it just starts to become a list. I'm, I'm yeah, there are Chuck Berry, Judy Collins, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Joe Cocker, Booker T, and the MGs, the Coasters, Pat Boone. And it goes on to, wow. All, so many people are there, you know, until, it, you know, Heart, Kiss, Bob Seeger, and Peter Frampton, and the Bee Gees. But it's just pages of just musicians' names. It's and pages the, of
0: names that I don't think actually appear in that end sequence. Perhaps they did no, get they the.
1: No, no, it's th- this is it's it's got to be a list of 500 musical artists.
0: I wonder if Lawrence those Lawrence they... Welk, yeah. Harry oh.
1: Belafonte, <laughs> Muddy Waters. Some of these people were dead then. Miles Davis, <laughs> Ethel Merman. I mean, it is just like you know, uh, your book's got to be 190 pages, and the guy sort of ran out of steam writing the novelization, so yeah. he just. It, cracks me
0: up he just scanned his record collection he was like okay this is what we do then
1: and he had a big record collection because it's like you know
0: diverse taste one of those
1: paper <laughs> mentioned seven uh, pages of of names
0: yeah i wonder if that's the total list of uh who got the engraved invitations that uh some maybe came and some maybe didn't oh that that's could you imagine
1: miles davis like getting <laughs> a uh an invite from was i feel like alan was alan carr somehow involved in no probably not no i don't think so It was
0: just stigwood and bill d anthony Oakes and or something
1: robert bill is getting it yeah bill oaks bill oaks you know miles will be like they want me to do what now show up to the universe a lot with fucking na i'm not doing that you know i'm it's not gonna like, dance yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. No, Miles Davis does not appear in the Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club band movie with that does feature Alice Cooper and robots that sing she's leaving home.
0: Yeah. When did uh, you first see Sgt. Pepper? And maybe, you know, I'd like to do I a don't movie.
1: remember so I yeah. had a tape of like dad had a friend who worked at a video store and i kept renting the same things over and over again and like on slp mode i think the tape had the sergeant pepper movie the blues brothers and then blondie's eat to the beat music video
0: Mm. um one of the first video albums if not the first video album
1: exactly it's like um you know it had to fill out the time um and so i was so i was I had an obsession with that movie and Xanadu. Like, you know, when you go to therapy and (laughs) the therapist tells you to think of like, you know, a calm place, go to that calm place in Mm -hmm. your mind, you know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a white void or it's a cave or it's the ocean or something. You know, I've done that in therapy. And for me, it is being on the floor of my childhood apartment with our top loader, RCA Select Division VCR. Um, Like, that's the happiest place I can imagine. Sure. Like, in a therapeutic way. And and Xanadu and Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, uh, the movie, were, you know, in the heavy in the rotation of of me as a little little kid i think in 19 it's got to be i had to be six Mm -hmm. five we got our first pcr like 83 84 so i was five or six and yeah we're roughly
0: the same age i'm 47 so similar thing with that Uh, i mean i even remember when back to the future came out on tape i was more excited about getting the Sergeant Pepper thing, because I think I saw it on local UHF station, uh, 38, but my parents had gotten me the wrong record for Christmas when I was like four or five and they got me the Bee Gees one and I already loved the Bee Gees. So I was like, what's sure. this? And then I had to get it as soon as I could possibly watch it. I
1: think it. That's how a lot of copies of, uh, you know, cause there's still very much around, uh, today. Uh, if you want a copy of the Sgt. Pepper soundtrack sealed, it, you know, you just simply pop on discogs. They, yeah. they, you know, they ship like millions of them. And the movie was a gigantic flop. So they're they're um they're around. I recently found yeah, they're around. I found one on colored vinyl. Oh wow um, that I didn't know existed, but it's got AM record labels. It was like a UK issue.
0: Oh wow. Um,
1: but I bought it because I'm a lunatic.
0: Well, Um, look, I'm not going to, I can't pass judgment because I have the cassette. I don't have the 8-track. I bet you have the 8-track.
1: I do. I have the 8-track. My favorite thing that I have, though, is the, it's the uh, Pickwick Soundalike soundtrack.
0: Ooh, that's a gem.
1: Which is just, you know. The budget, like if you it, talk about getting the wrong record, it's the budget session musician's version of the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton's versions of the Beatles. Like it is it is a goofy sounding record. I have I think the prize position, I had a uh, a buddy in here the other day who runs a cool DVD label called Fun City Editions.
0: Oh um, yeah, Jonathan.
1: Jonathan, yes. Um Jonathan was in my house the other uh the other day.
0: Let me um, just make a plug really quick for a Fun City Edition film that is underseen and is brilliant, Heartbreakers. Heartbreakers, yeah.
1: Did that come in my package? I don't know. Um, I uh, I did a commentary track for Party Girl, which he oh put out. yeah. Um, and that's how I got to know John- Jonathan. Um, he wanted to talk to me about a another another thing, which we could talk about next year when it comes out. But it's um, fabulous. But I, I, yeah, I did the uh, an, a historical commentary for Party Girl, but he was marveling at the prized uh, possession, which, which was a six dollar eBay purchase, but it is a New York City subway poster for Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band starts Friday at like, you know, the Rivoli, you know, and then and theaters on Long Island. And it's a giant poster hanging in my in my place
0: that's am beautiful I, I have my eyes on this moment by moment subway poster that should, um I, yeah i am going to I'm, and i'm going to put it i think above the bed yeah i think that's where the, it belongs because it's romance yeah, a moment like, by
1: moment poster above the bed that's um yeah that's sexy i
0: like it's that. real sexy bringing someone new over they'll be like oh he really is into this yeah he's gonna be good um <laughs> The, the RSO obsession that we share, it, much like the Casablanca thing, it's fascinating in that it was v- the giant biggest thing, and it didn't fall apart m- as much as Stigwood got disinterested, it seems, and then it sort of fell about. I, I, w- I was wondering if you had ever seen—do you know how there's two movies or one movie that RSO financed but never released?
1: I I mean, I know about Times Square, of course— Right, which was legendarily um, that butchered. Came out.
0: No, that came out. What? But there's another one, and I'll have to. I can't believe I can't remember the name of it because you're the only person I think on Earth who would be interested in discussing it with me. Also, uh,
1: there's two movies that they financed that never got released. This is actually. I don't know this.
0: There's one. Okay, I'm gonna look it up. And it was directed by. You know who that movie with Bill Murray that's black and white that didn't get released and Zach Galifianakis? Nothing and that. lasts
1: forever by okay. Tom Schiller, Thank which you. is okay. brilliant and. And um, uh, Harper Simon, my friend Harper Simon, um, saw it when he was young, and uh, he he, uh, his dad is uh, Paul Simon. Mm. And I've heard of him. Yeah, he's doing. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's he's coming up in the world, that Paul.
1: But um, Lauren Michaels had a deal at MGM in the early '80s after Saturday Night Live to produce movies, and they made Nothing Lasts Forever, which is an awesome film that is. Sort of lost. They've aired it on TCM and you can find copies of it out there. Uh, But really a a fun movie um, that had not been released yet. Never got a proper release. Well, okay. But Harper saw a screening of it when he was a kid and he's like, you got to find this movie. And then I did finally.
0: I really love stories about. Well, first off, I got to say, I love stories about when people go, oh, no, I saw the test screening of that. And you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah harper was like yeah no this is because he was trying to explain it to me. this in the 90s he was trying to explain it to me he's like this movie it's black and white and i was like I don't, I don't know what you're talking about uh
0: um, yeah i didn't then, know anything about no, it until never, until you know there was some article about the tcm airing or something like that and it's still not on I blu-ray really it's still nowhere no, to be yeah. found it's, except it's, you know the it's internet a rights issue
1: it's it's a there's a lot of rights because it uses pastiche of older films and um sort of in a way that dead men don't wear plaid does but yeah it's a very and like everybody has said i'll participate in a bonus features audio commentary but you know it it, one of these days it'll get it'll get a proper release
0: and i think uh, from my knowledge it's kind of a brazil type of film where it's sort of a dystopian future i'm yeah, not sure it,
1: it's you, you have to get a license to if you want to be an artist in new york you need to apply for a license
0: oh, okay and, and otherwise and, you're, and, then you're, uh, a,
1: and then there's a bus trip to the moon it's a hell of a movie
0: yeah i mean the story is an off told story um yeah here's the film it's called young lust a robert stigwood produced bruce wagner pen comedy featuring fran drescher and dana carvey uh, among others that was apparently so much of a coked up mess that it, this is someone's review that it never saw the light of day and the experience inspired Wagner to become the bard of Southern California nightmarishness thereafter. That's uh some user entry on some webpage, but young lust. And that does cr- sound
1: familiar to me now that you mentioned it. And I think I know one other person who would probably know about it or, uh, have seen it, but like that, yes, now, now I remember.
0: I would really like to see that because I think I think Schiller directed it is what I was trying to remember and yeah
1: and he he did a bunch of cool music videos and stuff. I think he did the no Gary Weiss did the video for you. You can call me Al um but yeah, Alan Moyle you know Times Square uh I guess the rarest thing that I have from RSO is uh, my buddy Rodney runs a vintage store called Avalon Vintage great guy. And he's like, "I got something. You got to come down here and take a look at this." And I got. I have down a guess as
0: to what it is. I don't want to say. Yeah. But we're gonna go ahead, please.
1: What it is a? I got down there, and what he presented to me was a mock-up of a Times Square one-sheet that had come from. I mean, it's tactile. It's got stickers on it, and it's in a a cardboard frame, and it and it says RSO on the back. Written in like grease pencil. And it, it, my guess is that it it came from a marketing meeting Mm. between RSO and Associated Film Distributions. The thing is in, it was in, it's in great condition. And it's a mock up for what the movie poster would be. um, How it survived and ended (laughs) up in this guy's vintage store. From two companies that have been out of business since 1980 and then came into my possession in 2017. Uh, I have no idea. And he said there were a couple other of them uh, that that like were other mock ups. Um, uh, but that's sitting in my closet right now. And um, I actually attempted to return it to Alan Moore. I was like, Do you want this? And, uh, you know, He's an interesting person. I, I've never uh, spoke. I've never spoken to him. I've never met him, but you know, his his baby was mutilated. You know, yeah. Uh, Saturday Night Fever. What they wanted to do with Times Square, like Saturday Night Fever, they wanted that was a movie, and it sold a lot of disco albums. So they wanted to do the same thing. Let's make a movie, but we're going to do the same thing with new wave and it did not have the same uh effect that saturday night fever had um and but i love the movie i love i love the movie movie too
0: but and you can see the bits you can tell where things were chopped out of because the continuity you can
1: see where they cut it but but what and, and i'll say this to alan moyle if you will ever listen is that the soul of your movie and that you that you co-wrote with Jacob Rackman. the soul of it is still in there, which is what i said to Nancy Dowd about Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. And I've had the extreme pleasure of actually sitting down with her and getting to know her over the years. It's like, I know, and, and it's hard, you know, it's not what you, it's not all washed up, the movie you wrote. And the experience that you had making it was terrible, but the soul of it is still there and look at what it inspired truly look at what you you inspired and and over the years nancy dowd i think um who is awesome and uh like i I don't know if she's in canada right now or france you know but doing whatever the fuck she wants she's just (laughs) a cool lady um but she's she started to appreciate like no people have love for for these movies i i you know intense love I, i hope i get to tell alan moyle that about times square at one point
0: you should just email him i emailed him to see if he would uh participate in the movie club i did on outrageous because he actually he performs in that film he acts in it yeah yeah and he was not interested at all no pr- no project- no
1: i have i've reached out uh you know i you know i i did hear back from his manager and and, and she was nice she was just like yeah you can keep it you know, but thank you. It's very gracious. She was very gracious. I, there, but, there is
0: an interview with him. I can't remember on what episode. If I can think, I think maybe Pump Up the Volume. I'm not sure. But the Projection Booth podcast has a phone interview with him, and that's pretty interesting. Yes,
1: I checked that out, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I was I, I, because that was another thing is I, I it was only I was rewatching Pump Up the Volume at a midnight screening I went through in Los Angeles that I think Bill Blankenship put together. Um, and Phil's the new Beverly, the a
0: big, uh, shout out to Phil.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Phil's the greatest. And, uh, watching pump up the volume again. I, I, I realized wow, this had a huge impact on on my life. this m- movie uh, sort of helped form my personality.
0: Well, you know um, you were a self-starter yeah. with the public access thing and now with the internets, the interwebs and uh, your podcast every, and the patreon
1: and, and all the years of radio I did and it was just like, oh this was uh, an, this was an influential film on my brain. And Alan well directed that and that one uh, that one holds up so do they, they all hold up I, I think he doesn't hate that one the way he hates times Square. i can only imagine the painful experience of those coked up lunatics um you know who are really trying to sell a soundtrack album imposing their notes in 1979 1980.
0: the most uh, curious you know. thing though is that Stigwood really wanted the lesbian stuff cut out and he he was gay and he also i mean moment by moment is a film made by gay people basically but it's about a heterosexual relationship but then again stigwood would never be photographed without a woman on his arm or a woman nearby exactly you know
1: you know it it was that um you know there was a lot of gay executives like Robert Stigwood and it's no place for a, a straight white man to speak about but a uh, straight Jewish man uh, to speak about but like Seymour <laughs> Stein who just passed away yeah. uh, god rest his soul um and I love his uh daughter Mandy very very much um but his you know he talks about it in his his book you know it, i think it was tough and and it is even tough for Jan Wenner you know uh, um, uh, who should do more acting uh, I, I, I couldn't
0: agree with you more. Perfect. Oh, it's Perfect. so
1: great. Just, why, why is he done, done more acting? As you can see, um, I'm a big
0: Jim Bridges fan because the Mike's Murder soundtrack is there. I'm doing a an epic movie club on Mike's Murder, which I think is one of the finest Mike's films. Murder.
1: I haven't watched that in years. And that's a, a Joe Jackson score, right? Yeah, Joe mm-hmm. Jackson
0: score. The thing got partially replaced by John Barry. And uh, over here, You've got I have a, the, uh, the Betamax, which oh, yeah, sadly- Oh, that's the
1: Warner Brothers clamshell.
0: yeah. You have a
1: reel-to-reel player back there?
0: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It needs a little bit of servicing. And if it didn't make so much noise uh, in the motor, I would have it running while taping because, you know, that's a good...
1: Yeah, look, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, those are expensive uh, format. Affectations.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) well, I know it is an expensive format. I would have uh, loved to have gotten one years ago. Although I want to get, you know, like you see on eBay when you just look window shopping, the really gorgeous Pioneer ones that are sort of half the size, but they have the reels on the front. The kind of thing you'd see in Bottle Rocket, I believe, at James Conn's house uh, when they do that party scene. Yeah,
1: I've or I have a like the Nagra. R- recorder and oh yeah you know, uh, blow out you know like those are they're beautiful it's beautiful machinery but like i got no use for it yeah <laughs> I, yeah I, I love it but it's really expensive and you know what am i going to do with it
0: well that's uh, the thing that's why i'm like well it's uh my backdrop now because this yeah. one is this is great this one except the i need to get the uh, whatever controls the speed fixed because it's not belts, constant
1: probably right yeah you need it's probably belts i imagine
0: i need belts yeah and i'm not yeah. really good with tape i mean i can fix some stuff but not that so i'm yeah, gonna i know I, no, and i know people said oh there's a place in la and then i'm like yeah i should do that and then things like the pandemic happen. um <laughs> <laughs> how
1: many real to real like you know like i'll see like yeah you can get a copy of hunky dory um as released on reel to reel and i bet it sounds great if you happen to catch it when it pops up on discogs for 850 dollars well this this is the
0: problem i like um finding a whole bunch of blank reels or reels that have interesting things on them that were recorded by people at their home that's the
1: greatest yeah
0: it's the best. And I got a whole bunch of Musac that's on these Maxell tapes. I also have a whole bunch of like army PSAs because sometimes on eBay, you'll find a lot of something like I found a lot of umatic right. tapes. Cause yes, I have a umatic player cause I like really oh, relevant good. up-to-date machinery. Uh, I also have a video disc, uh, player as well, which, uh, was necessitated by the purchase of which was necessitated by the fact that mick fleetwood's the visitor documentary in which he goes to africa was only released on ced because i guess rca thought this is the thing that's going to make people impel them to compel them to select the select buy.
1: The, the rca Selectivision, division the discs with the grooves
0: yeah right? the ones that if you get yeah, a speck we, of dust on them they will skip
1: yeah that yeah i i i had a laser displayer when I was a kid, I saved up. I remember because it was, I mean, it was just the only way you could get. I find it so funny now. And I'm, I'm starting to come to terms with it. I understand it. But it's like for years, um, you, you could not watch a movie in its original aspect ratio. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the last couple of years, like filmmakers started to shoot in four three as a choice. And I was like, what are you doing? Now I get it. Um, you're you're going for a certain aesthetic, um and I'm and, and we're facing the reverse problem of like, oh man, these Law and Order episodes are um in the wrong aspect ratio, or Seinfeld's you know chopped off. On the yeah, other all side.
0: stretched out and fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So- well, though the Miami Vice box set, uh, the original aspect ratio, which is great, one of my favorite shows of all time. But yeah. uh, when, we, when we, speaking of Saturday Night Live, another favorite show of mine when did you start working in that you worked as a writer right and was that around the so time I, that you were or am I wrong they
1: used to have this thing um gosh it was, just, it was in the early t- it, was, it was when Jimmy Fallon and Tina Fey were doing update and they used to have this thing I never I, I was never a writer at Saturday Night Live
0: okay um, my mistake
1: I uh, I did write for The Tonight Show um and that was sort of recently
0: um, that's I, where i, I was conflating I was, that's what i was conflating because yeah. you had written me we were going to do this ages ago but you were sort of in the thick of things
1: yeah i was working on 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 fallon but my i used to write jokes for weekend update this, this used to be a thing i don't think they do it anymore but there used to be a thing where um you could they called them faxers you could fax in jokes to update and they would um it was over email but uh if they used your joke you got a hundred bucks that's and, great um I got a bunch of jokes on weekend update. Um, you know, I was in my early 20s um and it was Jimmy had just started doing it with Tina Fey and Jimmy said, "Hey Jake, um I'm, I need help with jokes. You, you want to send in jokes and I was thrilled, you know. And I'll I, I still um you know, I remember like the first joke that I got on and um and, and, and unfortunately it's a mean joke of, at the expense of paris hilton and i have since <laughs> uh, like apologized uh but it was uh yeah for its time it was a it was a good joke what um, was
0: the next step uh career wise after you at ucb and and doing all that like when you, you mentioned like i believe you've worked on, as a writer on a bunch of things right yes yeah, so after that
1: it it's like then we start doing like best week ever and i love the 70s and i love the 80s and being on those shows oh yes was bizarre because it you know now they're sort of um a show that's been rendered obsolete by buzzfeed and the internet and stuff but people really liked those shows yeah um then i did the funniest thing happened which was as a bit like i think we shot this to show at ucb i I had this idea of what if i did a show at i I sold this to mtv when i was 25. what if i did a show about me desperately trying to get my mtv show back (laughs) only i'm 25 and i'm not as cute and um my friend tom giannis was like that's actually a really good idea let's really do it and we went into mtv with like a little bit of stuff that we had shot and they bought it and I was thrilled because it gave me a happy ending to the MTV story to do this like pilot that still exists, which people can see. Um, And it has like Dave Grohl, Sarah Silverman, Moby, Ballins in it. Um, And it's very funny. It's sort of like a heavily inspired by the British office, Mm -hmm. Uh, fake documentary uh, uh, with me. And, um and i'm desperately trying to get the uh the show back now i knew it wasn't going to get picked up because they were also at the same time developing a thing uh called laguna beach and
0: same uh, plot know, I, same kind of vibe everything. Well, i
1: just well i just was like i uh, look at me look at those kids. <laughs> what are they gonna put on mtv you know and um it's so funny because there was this guy adam de who was like the executive that was put in charge of like babysitting me and tom janice um who we didn't have much regard for and <laughs> we were driving him crazy and he's like the producer of selling sunset now and gotcha. and i'm like yeah good for him and he's a he was like i got i have no problem with him but like you know i was delighted when christine from selling sunset was like oh on some podcast being like oh adam develops blah 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 I'm like yeah that sounds right <laughs> um But yeah, it was really funny. Like my managers were really like upset that it didn't get picked up and Tom was upset that it didn't get picked up. And I was like, what are you guys think? It's crazy they let us make this. This is crazy that we have this tape. Um, And then it was just, you know, know, writing on this here and there, like, you know, Natasha Lyonne, UPN sitcom pilot that, you know, Um, and, you know, finally... I moved to Los Angeles and I write a script and it's a good script. And somebody tells me, Hey, Ben Stiller likes this and he wants to uh, direct it and he wants to direct it and executive produce it. I'm like, Really? (laughs) And I I didn't believe it until I was on uh, Skype pre Zoom a Skype call with Ben Stiller. He's like, yeah, I really like this. I want to direct it. You want to take it out to the networks and stuff? So we did. And and IFC b- bought it and, um, and it didn't get made, but it was like the script that changed things for me. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Wet Hot American Summer is a Netflix show and come right on it Difficult People becomes a thing. And then it's just like, well, now you re- come right for this Netflix show. And now um, it's been all these years and it's like, wait a second, I have like like three Emmy nominations and a WGA award nomination, a couple of those, and I have a baby and a wife, like what the <laughs> fuck happened? Like, um and it it just is like I knew that I like it's like 2012. I was like, if I move to LA and I just you get something uh, something'll get going. And yeah. um and and now I'm I'm now I'm at a new point of like, okay, I'm a dad. What do I want to do? Do I want to sit in a fucking writer's room right now, um, for a show that's not like my own and like you know craft some prestige TV show for a streamer that's not mine? Not really. It depends on the room. It depends yeah. on the people. It's like the Tonight Show. was just like um, uh, that. Was like wait a second. You're doing it over Zoom, um, because of the pandemic, and and like I, I'll, I'll do this for a little bit. It won't like like it's not gonna fuck up our friendship, right? And he's like, no, 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 I have nothing to do with the writers And I was like, great, great, great. So, <laughs> um, it, truly, it, it, you know, it, it was it was super fun, and and then I was just like, I don't want to do this any every day anymore. Late night is a grind, and and the people who have the ability to do that every day um for years like my it, look it's a little bit of golden handcuffs very reliable paycheck it doesn't pay as much as like running a show or narrative but mm-hmm. um it's decent and um and it's fun but it is sort of like hamster wheel yeah a little hamster wheel and and then it's it it's it's funny because you know i'm i'm friends with jimmy like real friends like text each other like here's my baby like that you know and um and he just happens to have this job where he hosts the tonight show and um and but i didn't get the writing job through that at all it was more the writing staff Mm -hmm. it was like well you know and i think there's people people are better at writing the tonight show than me and i just i was like i want to have a baby Uh, (laughs) i can't do (laughs) that. right now
0: and like yeah it's hard to do that and, and be on that hamster passed. wheel it's, it's like yeah there's a lot yeah, to deal with I had to and, get off the hamster. yeah because uh, and you don't want your jokes to be like you know when your baby poos like you know it's just not exactly what they want maybe it's what and, maybe it's and not also what you're it's want. Like
1: you're, yeah and and the tonight show is sort of like it's a very specific um thing it's super fun because you're in the center of show business for that day um, yeah. so it'll be like, well, I came up with something earlier this morning and now Madonna is saying it. That's super cool. Yeah. Um yeah. but you know, it's not um it's a certain type of writing. It's you know, monologue desk piece stuff. And you know, I understand why um people l- quit, like James Corden, who for some mm-hmm. reason people have a problem with. I don't have a problem with them. Um, but I, I get it. He's like this was a amazing opportunity uh and now i want to go home to london where i'm from and raise my kids
0: Uh, yeah and i I would also like to drive my car without having to sing with all these fucking people all the time
1: yeah without this fucking uh fucking adele in the back seat i
0: know paul mccartney blowing up my shit
1: the paul mccartney one was good though that's it no it was was a great that that was a great special thing that they did
0: yeah
1: it was just fucking cool
0: um yeah it was really cool well he made the most of it now he's also that's a key thing too is this fun anymore do i like doing this anymore that's a good thing to keep in mind
1: that was it it was just like 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 it might be fun in the future again too and like you know i think they would have me back which is nice is is like you know but like i was like oh this is getting to be not fun and it's Um, better
0: to step or dip out as they say uh or step out when in those moments because then you still have a good relationship with the people because inevitably, if you're unhappy, say, it's still yeah. I will yeah. say
1: this too: like the Tonight Show is like one of the nicest groups of people I've ever worked with. Like, um, super nice. It, 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 every single person was crazy. And and writers come and go there. Uh, I, there's a, a a bunch of people core group that have been there since the beginning. And every single person, whether they were just passing through or they'd been there for years, it's like one of the nicest groups of people uh, I, I've ever had the chance uh, to to work with. Like. Uh, I was sort of like shocked. I was like, "Oh wow, nobody's in competition with yeah. each other here. You're you're in competition with yourself," which I, which is uh, you know, and and that was the environment that I experienced. Um, um, it, it was really, it, it's really special. It's a it, it was special, and it's it's fun to say, "Oh shit, I worked on the Tonight Show."
0: You it's know? really good, and, and also just, for the accrued resume that you have, that's which is something interesting that people could should keep in mind if they want to be in the entertainment uh the business that the thing that you started out with or maybe you got initial attention for it might not be the thing that you're doing later on but there's all these other things that are just as great I, have and a, like...
1: I, I it's just like i have this like like these fans and i you know don't know always where they know me from yeah. some people know me because like oh you wrote for Marvel's Runaways. And I'm like, "Yes, I wrote an episode of Marvel's Runaways." "Why do you know this? You're a weird comic book person." Okay, that's cool. <laughs> and um some people just know me as I was that guy who was on I Love the 70s. Some people know me as just a, somebody from the best show with Tom Sharp. Uh yeah. you know, uh some people know me as a Square TV guy. Um you know, it was a very satisfying day for me when I was sitting in a writers' room and they were like, "You did what? When you were a kid?" Like, that was, um, you know, uh, an interesting conversation. Yeah, and, I, I, you know, I, I've i written on, you know, and produced, writing and producing, and then, and then you end up doing music videos and stuff. And right now, my uh, criteria for what I will do is, um, this is going to be fun. And um, if it's not going to be fun, is this, like, so financially interesting that I, I i can't say no because i now have a family like literal literal mouths to feed
0: yes um, exactly but yeah i think that's the key it's, if it's not going to be the super fun a, i hope it's super lucrative
1: yeah if you can find two at the same time uh you know you're in really good shape not always the case but i have had moments in in my uh, career which is you know at least 25 plus years of doing this at this point um where i'm like shit this is i'm getting paid really well and i'm having a lot of fun um and you know that that's the greatest you know yeah um, and i'm
0: sure that there's been up and down times where do you how do you handle those anxieties and also uh you've not skateboarded since that initial time oh, when no, you were younger no no, 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 no.
1: No, uh, the the sobriety is strong. It's it, 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 we're in we're into decades now. Um, yeah, I it, June yeah June twenty sixth. I, I no nothing. I don't I, I don't smoke pot. I'm not California sober. It just doesn't work <laughs> for me. It's, you know, I feel like I talked about it on uh, Mark Barron because he, he wanted to. But he know, likes to that's a,
0: that's a topic that sometimes comes up on his show. I don't know why yeah
1: well yeah you know we're we're both secret society people and stuff so you know i i i get it but um where where i'm at how do i deal with the times it's interesting because as i've gotten older um and i and i and there's been the peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys it's getting less stressful because i know well, hold on a second I've seen this movie before, like <laughs> all I have to do is make a thing or write a thing or you know, what I yeah, mean? and then the heat goes up again and the you know, and and in when that, you know, when stuff when those moments happen, it's just you know luck is preparation meets opportunity, and you know, just keep going. so i I will say it has been a while since i have uh, um like been like oh man what do we what am i going to do you know it has been a while not that i'm like uh, comfortable I, I i certainly have goals there's things i want to do there's things i want to achieve um i'm not a millionaire uh, you know i i i i got I got to hustle and stuff i got to work um and even if i was uh, say uh, a multi-millionaire. Uh, I still think I'd want to do stuff. It, it, it's just, um, but the the peaks and valleys at this point, it's just like not so many peaks and valleys since I was when you had your first canceled TV show when you're 17 years old. Yeah, you're pretty used to it. Like you know, yeah, I told you story. Ben Stiller, you know, that didn't that didn't go. I wrote it came as close to a show getting picked up to series as a show can get. I Wrote three extra scripts you know, um, uh, I was writing to budget and, and, and they didn't pick it up. And I truly was upset for 20 minutes because it was like, okay, you have your own TV series that you created today. Did you have that yesterday? No. So how, what are you going to do?
0: Be That's a really good way upset? to look at it. Cause I think people at any age get really hung up on the thing that it's like the putting your all, eggs all in one basket or putting your baskets in, in one egg. Um, it's, You can attach too much significance to too much to to something because it seems like a great idea and you can see how it could be a great idea but then they don't
1: i figured it out like the external validation thing like i had a lot going on a lot of good stuff a lot of good outside stuff and then i was like you know hold on a second i'm very lonely this means nothing if i don't have somebody to share this with Mm -hmm. you know um all, all those things uh you know you know i'm I'm 44 at this point it's like if you don't have that figured out sort of by a certain I, I just think everything happens at exactly the moment that it's supposed to happen
0: yeah um, and speaking of moments yeah. that are supposed to happen you said you had a hard out at 90 minutes is that
1: yeah i gotta i gotta run and okay well know, i'd love just,
0: to oh, go ahead sorry it's real
1: easy i'll say this It's real easy for me you know there will be peaks there will be valleys but at any point i can write a fucking memoir
0: that's true and And also uh, i really like what you said about okay things are a little down right now i can make a thing i can write a thing a lot of times we can forget that we have the agency to uh, put something into motion it's not just like gee i sure hope they call me or i sure hope that someone thinks of me for this it's self-generation which is something you've been doing forever
1: you can't do that. Like, yeah. And as people are like obsessed with, like I need an agent. I'm like, agents are a tool. They can only help you so much. A lot of time, an agent's like, hey, you know, this person, right? Well, their thing got picked up. Can you email them and tell, you know, and then you're like, what <laughs> am I paying? You know, and then sometimes there's been moments where uh, agents have straight up like i'd be like wow didn't know about this opportunity wouldn't have gotten it without you thank you for setting up the meet like you know it yeah you know it, it, but it's not
0: the one thing it's not the silver there's no silver bullets
1: yeah no no there's no silver bullets like you know when somebody's like you know asking me a younger person usually um like you know how do i get involved w- with comedy or doing what you do, I I say, make stuff, you know, just make stuff. And you know, that it could, it could be a script. It could be what I did that was unique way back in 1994. So many people are doing today and we have such better technology and better tools. So you know, it's exciting for me because it's like, I am used to doing it this way since i was a kid
0: um yeah.
1: now i'm sort of like hey what do i want to do with all these new tools and um and with all these people i know like it's a hell of a rolodex but i don't want to waste anyone's time unless i'm like oh i got a thing
0: you like know, a really, I really, good, thing, a thing. really good thing yeah just don't scatter shot because there's a lot of things that have a lot of people like that in it that you're like this thing shouldn't have been made why was this yeah, made exactly. they must have known the guy
1: yeah it, it, exactly i um you know it's 2023 for me has been about my daughter you know and and i'm so grateful to be in a position there's going to be a writer strike in days and all that stuff but like i'm grateful to be in a position where i could carve out time to to really just spend some time being a dad and um and you know my phone is open i am starting to as as now she was born in january it's april i have started to start to work on things again uh
0: well first three months it's kind of impossible you're just lucky that you eat shower and shave
1: yeah exactly so and i've done i've done those things but yeah i i (laughs) listen man it's a it's been a pleasure this has been a pleasure
0: to, same here i love it chat. i'd love to do it again sometime and also have you on a movie club oh and before we go what i was going to guess as to what the really rare item was i once had this too but gave it to someone and tried to get it back and they said oh it fell down and was broken do you remember those things at the carnival where they would have like a led zeppelin mirror or rush yeah the uh,
1: coke mirrors yeah
0: yes there was a times square one no fucking way I I can't tell you how frustrating it is to think I had that in my house for a week and I gave it to someone why did I do yeah, that it's and it's broken supposedly I, did,
1: I, I that's so bizarre because I've always wondered those things never seem to be like officially licensed or whatever maybe they were <laughs> maybe they weren't but the that like I've never in my life seen or even heard of that and I've searched
0: of- and searched for a replacement I don't know. I wish I even had a photo of it, but alas, we must go. And this has been a blast. A print, Thank you, Jake. I have a
1: print of the movie dubbed in Italian, a 35 millimeter print of Times wow. Square. But I don't, but it's dubbed in Italian.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that makes it difficult to screen.
1: But we, we want to watch it. Me and my friend, Mark Edward Hoyke, um, who's also a
0: fan. Oh, yes. Actually, uh, the gentleman who uh, just did the episode with Gala on video archives about The Visitor. Yeah.
1: Yes, he yes he is um, he's a, a an amazing uh, cinephile writer, talent uh, uh, and a, a brilliant projectionist too.
0: And you know what? Before uh, we go, please tell everyone about the name of your podcast, where they can get it. I'll have the episode notes. I mean, the links in the episode notes rather. But please.
1: So there's there's two things. One is you just Jake on us three episodes. And it's just a podcast. And I'll be honest with you. It's the most important cultural news affairs program that's out there today. Um, it, it, it's never topical. It's just whatever. It's essentially uh, Square TV. That's essentially what it is. Um, and then if you like it, you can get it as a TV show on a Patreon by signing up at www.jake.army. And there's all kinds of bonus podcasts and stuff attached to that. It's been going since I started it during the pandemic. Um, and it was sort of like something to do. Um, because I was also writing a script that was based on IP, one of those one of those jobs, you know, it was like, Yeah, oh, I like this IP. And if somebody if I don't take this, somebody's gonna do it. So I might <laughs> as well do it. Yeah, you know. I was doing that, and it was the pandemic. It was. It was like I was sent to script like March fifteenth. It was like the day of lockdown.
0: Oh yeah, so yeah.
1: Ended that. It wrote something else for FX, and then, um, uh, and then yeah, I was just like, I'm just gonna start a fucking podcast again. Oh, and I own my old show. I should probably make that available to.
0: That's people. right. Yeah, that would be good. Uh,
1: so I, So you can get it. www. Yeah. Jake
0: so fans of square tv go over there now fans of jake over there now and uh jake i look forward to talking to you again this has been a delight
1: you got it man uh super fun
0: treat yourself right and head on over to patreon.com slash craig friends look at the reward tiers see which one jumps out at you that you desire the most and then just go for it grab life by the suspenders and pull at patreon.com slash friends